Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cutrera Show for Thursday, January 14th. And we got a podcast for you if you are concerned about the stay-at-home order and what exactly it means. We will clarify some things for people that have secondary properties or if you have pre-reserved a short-term rental. And we'll tell you about a new app that you might want to download onto your phone, especially if you are an outdoor enthusiast or a traveler. We'll be able to do that again someday, right? But first, there is no confusion. I hear some elected officials, uh, local ones and other ones. Oh, it's confused. Folks, there is no confusion here. It's very simple. Stay home. Stay home. That's it. If you're questioning, should I go out? You got the answer. Stay home. Restay a la maison. I love it when he gets like that. It's like an 800 pound gorilla comment, you know? It's amusing. Um, it, the stay-at-home order took effect today. New measures allow people to leave their house only for permitted activities. No questions are abounding about what is permitted. Essential reasons to leave the home, grocery shopping, uh, going to the pharmacy, attending a health care appointment, to get some exercise outside or to go to work. Jeff McGuire is executive director at the Ontario Association of Chief of Police. We're bringing him in onto the show today to just talk about where they're at with enforcement. Welcome to the show. Good to have you on. Well, good morning. Thank you. So can you maybe get us up to speed um, on exactly what the Ontario Association of Chief, uh, Chiefs of Police does or you know who they represent? Yeah, for sure. We're, we're a very aged, um, not personally aged, but uh, uh, an old organization. It's been around for a long time, and, and we represent all chiefs right across the province and senior officers. So we have a membership of about 1,300 people. It's not just the chiefs, it's senior managers, both civilian and sworn of police services. And uh, we, we are, are one of our primary goals is helping to develop leadership for safe communities across the province uh, in the policing field. And we also spend an incredible amount of time working with government and advocating on behalf of policing and, and safe communities when they're developing new rules or uh, new processes or procedures. So we've been working very closely with the uh, Solicitor General's uh, group, uh, particularly over the last uh, you know years, we've been going through this process. Now, under this uh, emergency declaration, all enforcement and provincial officers, including local pr- police forces, the OPP, bylaw officers, and provincial workplace inspectors, can issue tickets to anyone not complying with the state home order. A lot of us were scratching our heads on um, what exactly is different with this order. What are we allowed to do? What aren't we allowed to do? I know that the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police, your spokesperson, said to the Toronto Star that. Um, there was a little bit of confusion. They were looking for some clarity. Now, uh, yesterday, the premier held a press conference to try and give some clarity about that. I want to play a clip for you, if I could, um, just from Matthew Pegg, who's in charge of Toronto's COVID task force with regard to yesterday um, afternoon, what he was saying about uh, the uh, province's directive. Have a listen. Literally, the, the best information we have right now comes off a media release and a slide deck. And um, it it simply is not the technical detail that we need. Okay, so it wasn't the technical detail that he needs. I looked at that same slide deck. I was confused around the uh, rules on short-term rentals and cottages and the like. So, you know, if, if the uh, chiefs of police were looking for clarity, did you get any yesterday? Yeah, we, we did get some. And, uh, you know, I... Uh, I watched that uh, w- with Chief Pegg yesterday as well. And, and when he made those comments, that's exactly where we were at that time as well. Um, we, we had a slide deck and we had the five-page um, press release that, the, that all of you had from the day before. 
but uh, we did have a phone call yesterday at uh, 6.30 in the evening for about an hour with uh, Solicitor General Sylvia Jones and her deputy minister. And um, had about 100 people on the line from the policing sector, so uh, police chiefs from right across the province, to, to try and get further clarity. And uh, I think we do have some. Um, the, the challenge, to be honest with you, and again, I don't, we don't, we've chosen not to, we don't want to slam the government here. We, mm. we recognize what a difficult situation they're in. Um, when, when they bring new legislation forward in a normal world, they have the opportunity to debate for long periods of time and they can spend months preparing it and looking and checking with stakeholders and, and so on before it's signed into law. Here they, you know, they're trying to do some of this stuff in a 24-hour period. So I think, I guess if I had to be critical, I think part of the critic would be the, the government making an announcement about what's coming before the legislation was signed and before they could provide us the details. So as soon as, as, soon as you all got that, um, uh, that press release, rightfully so, you and chiefs were reaching out to us saying, so what does, this, what does this mean? What are your powers? What can you do? What can't you do? And we didn't have the information. So last night we went through the call. Uh, we were provided with a lot, and um, the order was signed, uh, which I, I gather you have because you're reading it there, and I know it's a public document. Uh, that said, the, the enforcement piece is, is still a bit of a challenge. There's not, uh, you know, you can, we have documents that tell us people are asking our police officer is going to be going up and down the street and stopping people as they walk and pulling cars over and mm-hmm. where are you going? Are you essential? What are you doing? We don't have any of those powers. Uh, quite frankly, I'm glad we don't because we weren't looking for, you know, police state type situations. So um, the, the things that were illegal before are still illegal. So the, I think where you're going to see the, the major portions of the enforcement will be the continuing of the, the big things, the gatherings, the car rallies, the parties and storage units, um, you know, perhaps uh, restaurants or, or takeout places where people aren't wearing masks will be inspected. And the big box, I think, uh, you know, if you're going to big box stores, then I, I think um, the, the premier has targeted them. And I think you will see increased enforcement there to make sure they're following the rules as they are. So police are working together. You'd mentioned that there was over 100 people on the call last night with Sylvia Jones. Um, are you working on a, a blanket enforcement plan? Is this a collective across several regional forces? Do you check in with each other? And, uh, you know, how is that going to work? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly the purpose of the call last night was for us to bring everybody together to have that discussion. And was there a common thread where, you know, most police departments said this is a problem like this? This to us is extremely unclear. Is there one thing that stood out to everybody as in this needs to be cleared up? And and if if so, what clarification did you get on your um, part of the enforcement? Yeah, well, I think the the biggest part, as I said earlier, was the, the fact that there was discussion on how how do we go about enforcing this? What What is there that we can and cannot do? Um, how how do you expect? us to enforce if it's if there is no power to stop somebody and ask them where they're going you can't ask them if they're essential you can't ask them uh, for uh, you know if if they're not wearing a mask in a place they're supposed to and they tell you it's medical there's no obligation for them to provide you any information to support that so those those were the kinds of challenges with that piece that said we we want to continue to drive the message to what the premier is calling the 30 percent of people that haven't been playing uh, within the rules to try and knock this thing down a little bit more, you know, and help to eliminate it, make the community safe. So we will be working, when you talk about messaging, um, our Joe Couteau is our communications director and uh, government affairs, and we'll be working, and I'm sure he's working through the night, and we'll be working today to de- deliver key messages and answer questions for all our chiefs, which we will 
will circulate out to all of them to help them make the proper decisions. And that said, we're also encouraging our police chiefs to continue doing what they've been doing in their own communities, and that's dealing with their public health and getting guidance from them as well, because there, you know, there are different situations in different communities, as we know, right across the province. Yeah, I think the major questions that we had and I've been getting from listeners is, you know, and you covered this, will cops be running plates and stopping people that are driving outside their region? Your answer to that is no. No, absolutely not. There's okay, no so authority what's... to do that. I mean, the only authority we have to pull vehicles over is what we had before COVID came along. And that would be, you know, offenses under the Highway Traffic Act or uh, criminal offenses, impaired driving evidence, things like that. So to me, what's what's the difference with this plan than the last plan? We were also asking people to stay at home. It doesn't seem like you have any extra extra powers enforcing the rules. Or are you just, is this just a message? Hey, everybody, we are going to get tough on house parties. I, I think a strong part of it is the messaging, but there are some differences. There are some changes. Um, the, you know, there, there are the exceptions rule. Obviously, there are so many exceptions that does make it difficult to enforce some parts of it. But keep in mind also the other pieces that you touched on, they've, they've expanded the powers for inspectors. They've expanded the, the ability for bylaw enforcement officers to assist. So that's going to give a, a broader blanket of people able to assist and lay charges and to take some of the pressure off the, uh, the consumption of the police resources as well. Outdoor gatherings, I know, have been uh, limited to 10 people. Now they're going to drop them down to five. I'm going to guess that this is because those outdoor fire pits that people were, you know, trying to spend some time uh, socializing around were starting to get a little bit more crowded as time moved on. Is there confusion over uh, what law agency, law enforcement agency, would handle certain violations? Like, say uh, a neighbor has a complaint, oh, okay, there's like 20 people around an outdoor fire pit, or like there's even 10 uh, they're clearly breaking uh, the new restrictions. Would then bylaw officers, are they now tasked with showing up to the backyard fire pit with six people? Because a police officer seems a bit extreme. Well, you know, the, the, I'm not sure to use the word task, but they could be tasked if they're available. That's the challenge. Okay. Um, they, they have the authority to do that. But there are many places, and as you will know, across Ontario that, that don't have bylaw enforcement officers. I mean, I was... Uh, you know, I was the chief of police in Niagara Region for five years, and there's a dozen mis- municipalities out there. And my recollection is each municipality had some, very few, and and they, they don't work around the clock either. And it's so it's kind of one of those things, right. uh, many things that are left in the hands of the police because they're the ones that are around 24 hours a day. What did the, what did the Ontario Solicitor General tell you about fines and and what kind of fines people could be looking at? Well, there is a fine structure, and I apologize, I don't have it right in my hand, but I think it's still uh, considerably similar to what it was in the past. It's, uh, you know, people that are going to receive tickets, I, I believe it's in the $700 range. People that are organizing events, it's, there are some massive fines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, there, you know, and for corporations, it's out of this world. I think, it's, I think there's a possibility of a $10 million fine for something in regard to uh, large corporations. So, so the, you know, the, the financial structure fine pieces is still quite similar. It's just um, we want people to know that there there will be there there will I think they really will should expect to see an increase uh, in some enforcement and and part of the goal is is the deterrence I would hope that some of these people but and it's the flagrant abusers really primarily but I mm-hmm. think people if they start to know somebody or a relative comes home with a ticket and say holy cow that wasn't too smart it just cost me seven hundred bucks it's going to influence some people to get back on board and play by the rules. Not everybody, but it's got to make some positive difference. Okay, another question that I got just before I let you go here, because we are going to talk to someone from the Cottagers Association, but, you know, what are the odds of you 
you know, one of the things that seems to have changed is you're no longer allowed to go up to your cottage. It, the, you know, in the lockdown, Ford said, it's okay, go up, just don't stop anywhere. You can go from your house, go to your cottage, don't leave your cottage. You know, you can go for a walk, that's fine, but don't go into town, don't go into any of the businesses, make sure you're not showing your face around other people and be safe. Um, it, it seems like there's been a change in that. What are the odds of someone coming and knocking on your door and saying, hey, you know what, you're not supposed to be here? Have you had any directive on things like that? Uh, I haven't, but I, you know, I'm a cottager myself, so I, there, there is an impact. And I did read the document last night, and I, I believe there's new wording in there. Uh, and what's the, the new I wording? It, I, think, I think you can go to your cottage if you have one, uh, if it's for less. I, and don't quote me on this, but if you look at it, I think you'll see it in there. It's, uh, I believe you can go up if it's for uh, a necessary reason for uh, one day for a quick repair type thing, or if you're going to your cottage. You can go, but you have to stay there for 14 days. So I think they're dragging it into the kind of the quarantine specter. And, right, uh, and, which and is kind of unreasonable for people that have been going up on weekends, trying to get a breather, trying to get a breath of fresh air, trying to, you know, just get a change of scenery. Yeah, but I think uh, I guess the, the intent, and then, like I said, I'm a cottager. I'd love to be able to go up every weekend or whenever I feel like it. And yeah. uh, frankly, I don't think that exists. And I think the reasoning is, as I said, to bring uh, to prevent people from traveling across community as much as they can and perhaps, uh, you know, going into a town now and, and walking into different grocery stores and such. And, and whether or not you ask about the enforcement, um, yeah. I know from some of the some of the chatter I heard in my cottage area was that the people up there sometimes would be happy if we didn't come during this process. So it wouldn't surprise me if you showed up at your cottage for three days that there's going to be a neighbor somewhere nearby that may very well call the OPP and say, Hey, this this guy was up here for three days and he's gone and he's coming back in two days and that's a violation. And the violation would be a seven hundred and fifty dollar ticket. I believe so. Yeah, I'm not like I said, I'm not certain on that, but there will certainly right. be an offense there. All right, Jeff. I want to thank you for your time today. It's been uh, it's been really informative and helpful, and I'm sure that your uh, members are going to be kind of walking a fine line. You know, you're serving and you're protecting. Uh, you want to make sure people are safe, but you also want to make sure people um, get the message loud and clear that we should be staying home under these new orders. Uh, it's a fine line you're walking. No, I thank you. And I, I just, I, if I could close with, I, I guarantee you these frontline police officers are not uh, looking forward to this. This isn't something at uh, midnight last night where people started rushing out saying, yeah, who I can, I can go enforce the COVID. They know they've got an obligation to do so to help maintain community safety. But uh, I can tell you they're taking no pleasure in this. It's, it's, it's a very difficult time for all of us, and we just want everybody to stay safe so we can get out of here. Thank you very much, Jeff. I appreciate your time. Thank Have you. Have a great day. That's the Executive Director of the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police. I want to talk about something that a lot of people have been getting outdoors, trying to get some fresh air, trying to get some exercise during lockdown. Uh, before the stay-at-home order happened, we were still allowed to you know, get out and uh, travel to faraway places, like maybe Lion's Head Conservation Area to take a hike. And for a lot of people, they're not experienced hikers. And there was a situation over the weekend in Lion's Head where two hikers found themselves lost on the Bruce Peninsula. It's winter, so they're nervous, right? Light is falling. They call 911. They're told to download a new app called What Three Words. What, the number three, and words to help police found them. Find them, rather. And it did help police. They found them. Here to talk about the app and how it works and why you should probably think about downloading What Three Words CEO and co-founder Chris Seldrick. Welcome to the show, Chris. Good to have you on. Thanks so much, Kelly. Great to be here. So 
you know, how exactly does this app work? Because a lot of times I've heard you take your cell phone out, you might not have service when you get out into the woods. Sure. So what through it is a global address system. And what we've done is we've divided the whole planet up into three meter squares and you've got 57 trillion of those across the world. And we've named each three meter square with three words from the dictionary. So something like table, chair, spoon uh, or coffee, banana, syrup, um, any combination of three words like that. We've we've literally gone around and named each one individually. And this is a, it's like a formula. So if you download the What Three Words app on your phone, this formula just sits there on the phone. So to answer your question, uh, you don't have to have any data signal at all for it to then tell you the three words. So I could just be walking on a hillside or mountain, press the button, um, and it would tell me the three words I'm standing right now. And what that means is that, as you say, you can call the emergency services. So if you have even like one bar of reception to make a phone call to emergency services, you can then tell them the, the location that you need help by just speaking out those three words and they will know where you are. Why three words if it's longitude and latitude that we're working with? So you're absolutely right. So basically, um, we, we tried to make it as short as possible. Um, I mean, longitude and latitude is about 16 digits if you, if you crunch it all together, uh, which we just felt was too long. I actually tried getting people to use longitude and latitude in my previous life, and it's, it's too complicated. Um, if we could have used two words, we would, but there weren't enough combinations to cover the whole ah. world. So, so by making it three words, you suddenly get enough combinations. This works globally then? That's right. So uh, you could even be in the middle of the ocean, although the words will be more complicated. You might have like dodecahedron, cryptographic, cryogenic uh, in the middle of the Atlantic. Um, and... You know, if you're in Ottawa, you might have table, chair, spoon. So, um, but yeah, it's a very, it's a global system, works in 40 plus different languages. Uh, but you can use, you know, the English version as I do wherever I go in the world. I'm just laughing because I'm thinking about the examples that you gave and you've given the most complex words to uh, say and read, to to properly pronounce to the people that are stuck out in the middle of the ocean somewhere that could be in a, a terrible storm. You're right, actually. Yeah, maybe we should have poor people having to like a mayday, mayday, dodecahedron or whatever. Um, but yeah. yes, you're right. But we have very few users in the ocean. So I think it's OK. Uh, okay. But, but good, good point. So how does this work? Is, I mean, is it working on a GPS situation or like how does yeah. my phone know those words? So, yeah, it's a good question. So basically your phone will always know its GPS location, but it knows it as that very, very long sequence of numbers. Um, and so in theory, you could read that out to somebody. I mean, but like nobody's ever said to me, Chris, let's meet for coffee at 46.192384, degrees north, comma, minus, etc. Similarly, um, it's very rarely done in emergency services situations that people would then have access to that at the time, read it accurately without making a mistake. So really, what three words is all about simplicity. We're, we're taking that big long number, which is in the phone, and it gets it off the satellite, and we're just making it super simple to communicate. I love this, um, Chris. After this pandemic is done, we could meet at table, chair, spoon, have a coffee. Would love to. Amazing. Um, so this is global. This can help uh, locate people around the world. I, I imagine that uh, all emergency services now are applauding you on the ability to come up with something so simple. We're all carrying tracking devices. 
Thank you. I mean, in, in the UK here, we're now supported by over 80% of the police, fire um, and ambulance services around the country. Uh, and we're suddenly, get, suddenly getting there in Canada at the moment, just more and more are coming on board. I mean, it, it's not just emergency, I might add. I mean, for example, all Mercedes cars um, now have what we were installed as standard. So you can wow. actually get into that car and just say, take me to table, chair, spoon, and it will to that three meter square. Um, also, just things like e-commerce. Uh, where people's houses are difficult to find, like mine. Uh, I, I live on a farm, no one can ever find my house. So so you can now add the three words on certain e-commerce websites. So it's really about, we're just trying to make it a standard. All of the ways yeah. that you would either use an address or a latitude, longitude, why not just use three words? Did you get um, hung up on words that you'd use? Like, uh, it's my farm, I'm calling it Baram U. Like, was there a time where you're like, you're actually being choosy about the words that you assign to different uh, lines of latitude and longitude? Yeah, I see what you mean. I mean, um, when, when we made it, we, we just wanted it to be random and appear random. And, and actually, we really encourage people not to get hung up on it. So actually, we don't spend any time trying to, you know, make the words read a certain way. Um, because I think it can it can sort of get people distracted um, if they think the words are meaningful or make a sentence. So actually, it, they, they are truly random, apart from the kind of length variance that I talked about earlier in different places. Um, it's it's really just to get people used to just seeing a lot of these three word addresses and just not thinking twice about it. But surely Buckingham Palace has something special. I think, honestly, the, 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 the one that people found which had the relevance was in our Houses of Parliament here. I think reform speech debate or maybe in another order but all that all of those three were happened to be the three word address for one square within the houses of parliament but i assure you it's purely random and not intentional before i let you go a lot of people are worried about their privacy um do you have to have your location services on your phone turned on in order to access uh what three words um, so you would if you want to know your current location. Um, if you just wanted to look up any other location, uh, then you can happily have location services off. Um, so yeah, the app itself doesn't depend on it. But but of course, if you want your current location, then yes, you would have to turn turn them on, which I guess makes sense. This is a great tool for anybody that is uh, traveling in a foreign land. Uh, you know, women traveling alone gives you a little bit more security. Just if anything goes down that you can, you know, hit the emergency numbers and know exactly where you are and let people know your exact, you know, location. I love it. That, that's true. I mean, I guess to your, to your earlier point, I mean, there are certain apps out there which, which are tracking, but we, we're not that. Anytime you share a, a location with a three-word address, it's manual. And I know, you know, a lot of a lot of people's kids who who go off, let's say, to another country, they might then just send an SMS or WhatsApp to their to their parents with the three-word address, but they would be able to do that when they wanted. So it takes away any of that kind of um, tracking aspect to it if it's just purely voluntary. And you know, people use it for things like, you know, where am I picking my kids up for like the soccer game on Saturday or something? Uh, just very day-to-day -day, trivial things where actually. You're in the middle of nowhere. You just want some accurate way of, of saying where you're going to meet. So, yes, as you say, all, all those kind of use cases. Chris, thank you so much for joining us. I think the, the app is phenomenal, and I'm going to download it after the show today. Please do, Kelly. Look, and thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate your time. I'm going to try and find out what three words are assigned to my house. Oh, I hope they're goodies. By the way, it's what three is in the number three words is the app that you're looking for. All right. Uh, you know, some people have secondary homes, some people have cottages, and they really have been a godsend during the pandemic. A lot of people have invested in cottages and they're like, yay, 
I've winterized my cottage. We're going to the cottage as much as we can get away from home during this pandemic. We'll go to the cottage. We'll be very careful. We'll stay there. We won't go out uh, and fraternize with anybody that lives in the towns. We'll just stay at the cottage. We'll tuck in for weekends, and that'll give us the ability to decompress, get some physical exercise. But then with the stay-at-home order... There is a big question mark on when and if you're allowed to go to your cottage. Here to talk about it, the Executive Director of the Federation of Ontario Cottagers Association, Terry Reese. Terry, welcome to the show. Good to have you on again. Uh, Good morning, Kelly. Nice to talk again. So I I think a lot of people had plans to use their cottage over the winter, like they've spent some dineros trying to uh, winterize or at least, uh, you know, get in a good stove that'll heat up the space so that they can have some refuge here and there from, uh, you know, just a change in scenery. What do we know about the new orders and uh, the directive to stay at home and what that means for cottagers? Well, uh, similar to, I agree, uh, and we've heard that from many, many people that uh, many of our members that they're planning to spend much more time in the off season at the at the cottage than they may have in a normal year for all the reasons you mentioned. Uh, we, if you can isolate safely, that's, you know, a lot of people think that uh, makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, similar to the spring when we were told to uh, limit our travel and limit our exposure to other people, uh, the emergency order that's just been released is encouraging us to stay in our primary residence and really not travel to the to the residence with very few exceptions so that's uh that's the realm we're in now and i I guess we're all just trying to stay safe as best as best we can so what is the only what are what are the um rules as far as cottage um cottagers go well they're the orders as we read them uh, say that uh, it's only essential travel and that's the only reason you should be on the road and that's for a whole bunch of reasons again not to uh, that's to avoid uh, unnecessary exposure to people that are outside of your direct family and uh, retailers uh, service providers emergency personnel etc so the only exception we really have seen to the weekend trip uh, to the lake is to do essential repairs or to uh, deal with a some sort of emergency situation mm-hmm. at your at your property and and in these instances you're meant to uh deal with it and then return uh back to your primary residence as soon as possible okay a lot of people don't have a secondary residence but they've taken the time to search online rent a cottage or a ski chalet uh during this time what do we know about rentals and uh if you're a cottager and you've rented out your cottage to to people for a weekend where are the rules now with uh, pre-reserved rentals, or uh, if you've rented a cottage? Uh, that's one area that seems to be quite clear. They seem to have been explicit that uh, rentals, other than for the purpose of uh, requiring accommodation, and I expect that means things like uh, utility workers or people that have to uh, are tra- have traveled to work in a remote location and need someplace to stay, uh, the recreational type of traditional rentals seem to be explicitly um, uh prohibited in the emergency order. So even if you pre-registered, they have mentioned in the order that that is uh, no longer uh, allowed during the emergency period. Okay, and what's the penalty for not following along? Well, I've heard fines of $880. And uh, again, the emergency order is meant to empower the provincial offenses folks to uh, to lay charges if you're gathering in groups or doing things that are otherwise not uh, allowed under the order. I expect if uh, there's a complaint and if you're uh, if you're caught uh, doing something that's outside of what's allowed, then uh, then the provincial offenses uh, officers are empowered to issue fines uh, for people that are uh, they're not following the orders to stay at so, home. 
So the fines would be issued to the people renting and to the people that own the accommodations. I'm not entirely certain about that. Uh, for sure, if you're in a, a location where you're not supposed to be and that's deemed to be outside of the emergency orders, then uh, you'd be subject to the fines for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll be clear that, you know, I think these folks have got a busy job to, to do already. This is the OPP and uh, Metropolitan Police Forces, et cetera. Uh, they're going to be really, uh, they're fully occupied as it is. So they don't really, they're not looking for people uh, to, to find, but uh, it's really up to all of us to try and comply as best we can. And uh, if we don't, then there, there is fine. So we just, we need to do our, our best, all of us to, to stay safe and uh, limit our exposure to others. I would imagine the bylaw officers also are going to come to play here for uh, towns and regions where people that live there full time might see people at their cottage and uh, say, hey, this is uh, what's going on. You might get a knock on your door from a bylaw officer. I think that's true. Anyone who's uh, authorized to do provincial offenses, so provincial offenses officers can issue those fines. And again, I mean, it's a complaint driven type of system where there's not people out uh, knocking on doors looking for offenders or looking in your backyard to see if you've got more than five people. But uh, it's up to all of us to do our best to, uh, you know, not be flagrantly out uh, flaunting the the law and and doing our best. I mean, the the province has tried to be clear as unclear as it possibly is in some instances. (laughs) What we really need to do is just to all be doing our best to stay within our family bubbles uh, if you are at the cottage already, uh, it's about isolating and staying there and just like you would anywhere else and, and just limiting your exposure to other people and not exposing retailers. And, and I'll, I'll add that in winter, there's certain uh, specific uh, risks and challenges that's around ice safety on the lakes. And so you don't want to be putting yourself or anyone else into a uh, pr- predicament where you're going to need emergency responders. Roads are slippery. You want to be, you know, so we shouldn't be traveling and and doing things that are otherwise going to uh, have some undue uh, risk, so that's going to potentially implicate emergency responders or or others. Terry, I know a lot of people were hoping for a loophole from you. Well, we just unfortunately have to do our best. Uh, we're all trying to nail this pandemic thing down, and uh, we do have to just lim- do our best to each of us to limit uh, to limit what we do for this short period, and hopefully we can get back to by the springtime get back to a more normal uh, travel uh, and vacation type of uh, situation. Fingers crossed, Harry. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Kelly. All the best. Stay safe. Same to you. Stay safe. That's it. That's all. There is no more of the podcast. Have yourself a fantastic day. Thanks for tuning in.